0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Martech Masters. Today, I'm here with Katie Parks. She's the head of creative and media production at Shopify. Thank you for being here today, Katie, and uh, and for being here to share all your knowledge on video and and your experience. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So we'll we'll definitely talk about your role in Shopify, some of your other roles, and your 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 career in filmmaking and storytelling and and your tech talk and all those very, very important things that we're here to talk about today. But why don't you tell us first a little bit about who you are, a little bit of your journey, and then we can go there.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, I think of myself as just a storyteller at heart. Um, Storytelling has always been a huge love of mine, no matter the medium or format. Um, Early on in my career, you know, I spent time uh, working in my professional environment, starting to develop my professional career and uh, creating content for social media, also doing event production and all kinds of different, um, yeah, formats and experiences. Um, And then also at the same time was trying to pursue a career in filmmaking as well and so wore many hats on many different independent film sets, um, did everything from special effects makeup all the way through to script supervising and directing. Um, and I've learned a ton along the way um, and uh, love to find ways to intersect uh, those two different parts of my life um, in what I do.
0: That's awesome. And, and uh, I have a son that's, that's in filmmaking and he wants to go through that career. And it's amazing how, you know, you can end up in Hollywood making movies, but also if you don't, all that you know, all of that experience and everything you've done is going to shape your career and whatever you're going to choose for storytelling and video. And I can't wait to talk more about that. This is so exciting. So before we go there, we always try to connect, you know, that that passion in, in, in your job and your career. And we can see that that's that's why you're here. You're one of those passionate people that really want to make it happen. And, and, and you have that drive we really want to connect that drive with 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 you, with the person behind it. So any passions of yours that would like to you would like to share or any new hobbies during the pandemic, like what do you do in your life that excites you that 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 you're passionate about?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think what I've learned, uh, you know, so many people say that in order to get really great at storytelling or filmmaking or content creation, that you just need to create, create, create all the time. Um and that's certainly good advice. I mean, you have to fail all the time and you have to, you know, try everything along the way and see what works for you. Um, but one thing I think has been really important to developing my own creative taste um, and defining my own point of view when it comes to developing the content that I lead and direct is consuming other content. Um so I spend a lot of time watching movies, TV shows, um, you know, reading books, uh, consuming things in all kinds of different formats, podcasts, you name it. And I think doing that actually helps you become a better storyteller, too, Um, and it helps fuel your passion because you can learn from other people, you can take bits and pieces of what you like and what you don't like, and use that to shape, you know, like I said, your own creative taste and your own creative vision, Um, and so, yeah, definitely am always uh, on the lookout for new great shows or new uh, great things to watch uh, and read, Um, and then on top of that, uh, a new quarantine hobby for me um, has been Dungeons and Dragons. I was getting into it a little bit uh, over the last probably two years. My husband is a huge fan um, and has like delved super deep into it and was playing in a couple different campaigns. Um, But yeah, around this time last year, actually started his own homebrewed campaign, Um, and we've been playing with his side of the family. So his brother and his brother's wife and my mother-in-law just over Zoom and using this really cool software that allows you to build, you know, virtual worlds. Um, And yeah, he's created this. Entire like futuristic dystopian world called dead soul Um, and we've been having a ton of time like a ton of ton of fun uh, playing that and it's been a great escape, especially during quarantine. Um, And yeah just getting to live totally in a fantasy land and I think it's also helped me become a better storyteller too. you get to put on a character hat and challenge yourself to think about you know a completely different world in a completely different way. and so yeah, I'm definitely been geeking out on that, which I think was a surprise to me because at first I wasn't sure if I'd like to, and then, and now I'm getting really into
0: it. You know what's interesting? You know, my wife and I always talk about that. We that's one of the things we want to do more late, like later in life, we might want to come back to DD or and but also I was thinking while you were talking about it, talk about storytelling. Like that is the ultimate story. You create a whole world and you embed yourself and others through storytelling into, into a world and you have to imagine it. It's a, it's a beautiful analogy of what we do for a living in, in a, in a game environment. So, um, that, that makes total sense. It's like you mentioned it as a, yeah. And I also did this other thing that's completely unrelated, but it's completely related to your life. So, um, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, and, and of course, you know, playing D D with family and all that stuff, in the middle of the pandemic has that escaping reality without harming yourself, right? Like without going into a really bad vice. Right. So good, good for you. Good for you. That's uh, that's really good advice. Get into D and D kids. Like don't, don't, don't (laughs) do the other stuff. Right. Uh, So uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I, I want to get into filmmaking and storytelling and all that stuff, but we watch your, your tech talk and, on your tech talk, you talked about the truth and how storytelling can actually affect the truth and can, you know, manipulate uh, people. So the same way d and can get you into a beautiful or crazy world uh, that doesn't exist, the truth can do that for us today. And we've seen that, you know, in, in real life in the past years uh, more than ever Uh, I think your tech talk was from 2018 or something like that. So it's like right in between all this craziness about fake news and all these other things without getting political. But um, we even saw some great examples weeks ago with the whole, uh, um, what's his name?
1: Tom Cruise.
0: Tom Cruise craziness. So uh, before we can get right into it, your tech talk talks about the use of storytelling Um, for good or for bad and how you could use it to manipulate so tell us a little bit about why you did that tech talk and what brought you to that tech talk and then a little bit about it and what we should not not per se say worried about but intentionally thinking about when we're creating stories and when we are the storytellers how do we keep the truth how do we do this the right way
1: yeah yeah um I mean first of all thank you for watching it means a lot to me um I feel like that was so long ago now but what's really fascinating to me is that all the themes uh you know that I spoke about there are still very present and in yeah. fact a lot of them are, are almost getting worse um, as time goes on um really what drove me to do that TED talk in the first place was after seeing Rogue One um and I didn't actually know going into the movie that um, Graham off Tarkin was not alive in, in real life yeah. um, and it kind of blew my mind and it it I, I remember standing there outside of the theater and learning that and going like oh my god that was so weird that I just watched someone that was recreated from the dead mm-hmm. and then I just started going kind of down this rabbit hole and was looking into you know what whether or not this has happened before and then found the fast and furious example even past examples from Audrey Hepburn Fred Astaire being like, their likeness being used in TV commercials, like for things that I'm not sure that they would want to endorse potentially if they were still alive. And and so it raised all these crazy questions to me around ethics and how we use people's personas and personalities and also their bodies um, and who owns that. And yeah, just what happens then when you die. And I, yeah, I felt like that led then into so many other aspects of the way our current media systems are set up and I mean at that time um Trump had just become president like the year before and to your point fake news was rampant more than it ever had been before um the advent of new social media platforms and just yeah misinformation spreading like absolute wildfire um and then yeah I would also listen to that podcast episode that I mentioned in the TED talk too from Radiolab where they talked about the face manipulating software and All of it was just kind of combining into this one thing that I was like, what is happening in the gap? How are we gonna get through this? Like this is really messed up and there are so many different parts of this that yeah, are are actually really scary if you think about it. Um, And the impact on future generations, I I don't think we're at a point yet where we're really taking that seriously um, or we're really trying to understand it from a, a psychological point of view and its impact on human beings even now. I mean, I'm sure that there are studies happening somewhere. Um, I have a good friend who's doing some of this research in relation to the actual political um, conversations that are happening. Um, But yeah, I mean, when it comes to being a storyteller and, and really trying to make sure that you are crafting a story that is deep in emotional impact and that you are you know, it's your job as a storyteller to manipulate someone's emotions. That's where this becomes really tricky, especially now that we are crafting so many of these stories for these channels that also have misinformation being shared on them all the time. Um, I think there is a difference between, you know, news information and then also like high brand affinity, like high quality brand affinity content where that responsibility is maybe, less extreme because the hope would be that you are telling stories based off of truth and based off of how your customers are using your brand to begin with Um, but one thing i was thinking about um, ahead of this chat even was like i think right now the thing that brands need to pay the most attention to when it comes to their respect of the truth and respect of science and respect of like the values that you hold true as a brand is really influencer marketing because if the people that you are choosing to partner with are spreading of misinformation, are like not aligning with your values, are actively like negatively participating to conversations in the world that could then harm your brand at the end of the day is like that that you just gotta be really careful with that. Um and so I think yeah, just paying really close attention to how those people are showing up, making sure that your values are aligned. Um and, and really owning the responsibility that you have to tell the truth about your products and how they connect with the world around us.
0: Of course, and it's, it's interesting what you mentioned about brand affinity in, in building brand affinity through storytelling and through film and through stories on video, which creates that emotional connection because we're seeing someone and we're hearing them. And as humans, we, we evaluate these things and we connect with the other person on the video, the same way we connect with a human being in person, uh, just like we're doing right now. Right. Um, that storytelling, we, we talk about this all the time. You need to build a story that connects at an emotional level. So people like you and love you and you, they love your brand, uh, and they engage with you. So we talk about creating value and doing it, something engaging and educating and entertaining, uh, but there is a fine line between, you know, what we're doing so people truly engage with the brand and kind of like twisting reality so they actually like the brand. Um, right. So, so I, I agree with you. It's gonna be it's gonna be really hard. Of course, as humans, we will detect these things from fake brands for from fake people that are trying to manipulate us. But it's getting harder to determine what's true and what's not true. Uh, So I I agree with you. There is a huge challenge for next generations. I have four kids, and I can't even imagine the challenges that they're going to have to go through when we can't even decide what's true and what's not true today with the technology we have today, when in 20 years, you can put whatever's face here and I could be talking and that could be that person, you know? So where, where do we go from here? How can... How can we, as storytellers and you know filmmakers and content creators, how can we fight this fight from the right side? you know how can we be in the right side of history?
1: Yeah, that's that's I think the hardest question on the table uh, of all right now. Um, and I think what makes it really hard is because the reality of all of this is that it's our collective responsibility as individuals and as a society to, Care about the truth and make it a priority. Um, And that's not to say that, you know, we can't, to your point, as storytellers, constantly manipulate the truth in order to evoke emotion and tell a great story, because that has the ability to also drive empathy in a way that can be so profound. And there's nothing wrong with really great editing and and being that kind of puzzle master in the editing eagle's nest to say like, this is how we're gonna bring it all together. And this is how I'm gonna tell this story. But making sure that that is still grounded in, you know, the real experiences that whoever, the people that you're featuring have actually had, or like the experiences they've had with your product, or yeah, just the story that you're trying to tell, the point of view that you're trying to get across um, is paramount. But I mean- yeah, but the hard part about this is that I think what I've noticed so far is that people really want to blame the platforms. They want to blame Facebook. They want to blame Instagram. They want to blame Twitter. And they want to blame it all on the CEOs and say, like, you're not doing enough. You know, your infrastructure and your tooling isn't supporting this well enough without actually understanding how hard it is to do this and to get ahead of misinformation and to really build AI-driven tools, which is, I think, what we need. Yeah. To be able to detect and identify falsities in video, in photos, like, it is incredibly hard to do this well. Yeah, And it's going to take a long time, I think, for us to get there. I think the legal system also needs to catch up with this. Right now, we don't have a ton of people in government who even understand how social media works, let alone, like, what kind of regulations need to be in, put in place so that this kind of stuff is made not okay, literally legally. Yeah. Um, but I mean, going back to my first point is like, it's a lot harder, I think, to take responsibility for yourself and acknowledge that you're a part of a human being and as someone who wants to fight for radical truth, like is on you, like it's on you to fact check, it's on you to do the research, it's on you to, you know, make sure that the sources that you're pulling stuff from um, are fair and right and have fact been fact checked themselves and that you're not spreading and sharing you know misinformation. Yeah. Um it's yeah it goes it goes much deeper. I think if it really is on that personal level and you have to have a personal respect and demand for the truth. Um and be unafraid to share the real parts of your life with other people because I think we're all kind of getting over the highlight reel thing now. It's like okay I want I want that authenticity, I'm craving that, you know, realness from people, especially as we all have gone digital, like completely, um, we're craving that more than ever. Um, and so I think, yeah, it, it, it's multi, it's a multi-tiered problem, but I think the hardest part is recognizing that we all have a part to play in it and we all have to demand that truth from each other and from the platforms and from, from the content itself.
0: Definitely. and, and, that's what we're trying to do here is to educate, to empower, and to let people know that these are issues, and you should be intentional about these things. You should be intentional about where you put your content, and what kind of content you put out there, and what you share, what you don't share, and uh, and the sources. This is, this is great. Thank you for sharing all of this, and it's it's amazing we watched that that tech talk which we we'll, we will link it here if you're watching the video or in the blog if you're listening to the podcast but go watch that tech talk it's mind blowing and it's also mind blowing that you did this years ago and now we're dealing with some of these issues today uh, you know the Tom Cruise video was a good example of what happened uh, with someone that just created Tom Cruise videos from from his computer, so without going into that rabbit hole, uh, definitely we're going to have years of discussions around these topics. But thank you for bringing all of that to to our attention. I I'm a big Star Wars fan, and we've had our conversations internally. The kids were like, "Hold on, wasn't she? She's old, right? Like she shouldn't be young in that scene. And isn't she dead?" Like we've had these conversations, and you go in in depth into like what do we do can we just like keep doing this forever with deaf people and it's not them saying these things so hold on there's something there to uh to keep in mind so i I like the message of of fighting for the truth uh that's something we should all be fighting for for sure so i i know we are in in this very deep uh topic right now but i also want to talk about how this filmmaking love you have the passion for filmmaking and storytelling is is now shifting into business and how you're using this at shopify to tell stories this this series Martech masters we started as okay what's going on in the pandemic how people are using video and podcasts and things like that but how are you shifting and what are you doing now we're we're saying okay how are people using storytelling and video series and podcasts to connect uh through, uh, through, through these mediums with their audiences and build audiences that love them. Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey and how you're using storytelling to create um, these video series and these, these pieces of content that can help businesses, that can help inspire businesses, that can show stories from people that are doing it out there. Just tell us a little bit about what's going on right there um, uh, at Shopify.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm really lucky, I think, to work at a, a place like Shopify that really values creative storytelling um, and actively pursues it. I, If you would have asked me like five years ago, you know, when I was a couple years into my professional marketing career, whether or not I would find an opportunity where I could actually translate my filmmaking background into what I do on a day-to-day basis, I would have like laughed in your face. So it's, um, I think it's a very unique opportunity, but at the same time, I would argue that there, it's partly because there's been a pretty massive shift in marketing in general, I think over the last five years, where we've almost remembered that people are humans and that storytelling is the thing that evokes empathy, relatability, feeling, and that we all want to feel something all the time. And we we need that to come from other people, other sources, you know, entertainment that excites us, educates us, inspires us to be better people and learn something new. And so I think at Shopify, we are trying to do exactly that. We are trying to create relatable content for our audiences and surface opportunities to, you know, connect with them on a deeper level, to show them that we understand their problems, that we understand the lives that they live. And I think that you can do that through really high quality, you know, long form and short form content, whether that's an, an Instagram carousel or a podcast series, or, you know, a, a really cool behind the scenes video series, which, you know, we just launched the other day. Um, all of these are valuable and you kind of have to do all of them at the same time and test out what works for your audiences, um, you know, on various channels, different formats, different mediums. Um, and it's a really exciting time to be in marketing right now. I think it's amazing that, you know, not just brands like Shopify are taking this seriously. I'm seeing great content from so many different, um, brands. And I think it's really breaking down the barriers between what a traditional like company's marketing would have looked like 10 years ago. Um, and really bringing it into a much more human-driven space, which is, yeah, just really awesome to see.
0: And, you know, we, we always ask the same question because we talk about, you know, all these leaders in the MarTech industry, you know, and, and marketers out there creating these stories and, you know, doing video series, podcasts, doing amazing blog content out there that connects the dots between all these these campaigns. Um, you know, we, we had this conversation the other day that, you know, marketers used to be all about storytelling and emotions, and it was impossible to track anything, right? And then we got into this wormhole, and we came to a place where we were tracking everything. And we are a hotspot agency, so we can literally track almost everything that's happening. Uh, That doesn't mean we know the emotional journey, but we can Find out certain pieces that can help us make decisions, right? And uh, we can analyze a video and what parts of the video are being watched the most and rewatched the most. So maybe this, we can do assumptions on that, right? But it gets to the point where we're back. You know, I was talking to someone uh, in one of my CEO groups that Mary, that she she used to work for Apple in the you know back in the day, and when I did a presentation on podcast, she's like. Gabriel, how do you measure success? And I told her, and, I, and she's like, you just told me what I told my CEO 25 years ago, that it is not possible to measure success on these efforts and that it, that it is impossible to measure everything. I, the CEO of a Hopspot diamond agency, told someone that, you know, we can't track everything, right? So I keep getting this answer from everybody that I ask. When a, when a CEO, when a director, when someone making the decision to give you the money to do that video series, to, to put those efforts out there, is asking you the question, how are we going to measure ROI on these efforts? What is this going to affect the bottom line? I, I, I know the answer. The answer is we can't track everything, but how do you communicate those things? Because you guys are doing it. Your team is doing it, and you're doing it right. You have uh, your your leadership team is on board. So, how did you communicate these things? What is the conversation that you guys are having internally uh, to make a decision and and say we're gonna we're gonna invest time, effort, passion. We're gonna put our best people to do these long term efforts that we might not even know if this is bringing more people to buy Shopify. So, sorry, long question, but tell us a little bit about those conversations you guys are having internally.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really funny. I was kind of like chuckling as you were, (laughs) as you were talking, because you're right that we are kind of right back to, you know, where marketing was, uh, many years ago now, where you slapped a billboard or, uh, you know, on the side of the road or threw up a TV commercial and you would get like high level impressions, but you never knew if that was actually leading to people buying your product. But I think what was really interesting about that time period um, that is related to the, to what we're doing now, but I would argue we can actually kind of track this in a better way than they used to be, is like those activities are really just generating like wor- really great word of mouth marketing, um, which is essentially brand affinity marketing. If you get people to share the things that you're creating without having to ask them to do that, that means that you're doing something right. And, you know, back when, yeah, you would slap a billboard up or a TV commercial, you would like hope that people would then spread that word about your products, but you couldn't really track it because it was actually happening on physical streets or in people's homes. And, and that is certainly still true, but the fact that we have social media now and you can do things like brand sentiment analysis, you can look at, you know, um, hashtags that are being used and, and kind of track conversation in a different way. Um, I think there is, there's something really nice about that of like still being able to kind of track it even though you still don't know whether or not that's actually gonna to lead to someone, you know using or buying your product. Um, I think we've actually come a long way at Shopify. For a while, we, we didn't really invest so heavily into kind of this side of the funnel. Um, we did lightly, um, but it was more from an advertising perspective and less from a branded content um, development. And I think what we've noticed, especially with launching um, a new podcast last year, um, we created In Conversation with Shopify Plus and we're able to you know, generate a ton of downloads and engagement like within only a few months um, and that people are actually really hungry to hear from business leaders that are on the Shopify Plus platform and some that even weren't that were just really reputable people in the industry. Um, and I think it just goes back to, you need to create that relatable connection with your audience. And the hope is still the same hope that it was 20 years ago that people will, those people will eventually use your product, but you have to be willing to invest in the long game. And I think right now it's more about trying to sell the risk of like the risk mindset um, and not feed back into the risk averse mindset internally. So trying to get people to yeah see the value in generating conversation and just creating valuable content that people are going to be surprised by, delighted by, entertained by, um, and trying to stand out from the pack in that way, because now that, you know, B2B brands especially are competing against the same eyeballs that every single other company is, um, you have to act and show up differently. Um, and I think that this is the way to do that now.
0: That's awesome. And, in in I was, I was, taking it to the extremes, right? Like we can measure, and I love that you, you mentioned that we, you can measure, you know, people that watch things that then make a decision, right? Right before they make a decision, if they watch a video, you can want, you can measure the amount of time that someone watched videos before making a decision. Um, we've even made, you know, at at a high level, we said, okay, leads that turning to customers, that haven't watched video compared to leads that turning to customers that have watched videos oh the percentage is three times as much from seven percent closing rate to 21 percent closing rate so we've seen that over and over and but the problem is that we can't m- measure everything so you can't say well this one video generated a million dollars or this one video closed you 55 customers it is a long-term game. Uh, I was comparing it the other day with blogging and inbound. I was like, someone was saying, hey, we're going to do these videos. How do I tell my boss the ROI of this first video so we can convince them to do more video? And I said, all right, you've been doing inbound for years. You've been blogging for years. If I, I told you on the first blog, okay, blog once and tell me the ROI of that blog so then we can do inbound, right? Like, what's your answer? And that's the answer for videos. It's the same answer for SEO is the same answer for every long-term strategy and not a tactic that we're working on right now. Uh, I love that you connected the dots, but but also there's so much more than lead generation and visits and 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 those connections on social media or likes or things like that. There's that brand affinity. How do you measure love of your brand? Do you guys have have you guys cracked that code? Can, do you have anything you measure to know how people love you uh, as a brand, do you do you even think about these things?
1: Yeah, that that type of measurement is is certainly something that we are focusing a lot more heavily on right now. I don't I can I don't think I can say with confidence that we've cracked it. And part of the reason for that is like it changes all the time. Um, and so I'm not sure that anyone will really crack it. It's like you just gotta. <laughs> adapt with whatever new channels are out there, whatever new opportunities are out there and continue to work towards the goals that you set for the specific parts of the organization that are working on brand content or brand strategy. And I think that is just really important in general, making sure that there are like clear goals for the different sections of the organization that are trying to do different things. And I find that this is sometimes where like content marketing can get conflated with performance marketing. Like those are actually two very different things. Mm. And there's even a big difference between branded content and advertising. Those are two different things. And sure there's like muddied waters across the board. Like there's stuff that you can surface from branded content promotion and then like boost that content or promote that content. And technically now it's an ad. There will always be blurred lines, but for us, we make really clear goals for our part of the organization. And we have two of them. One is to build an engaged audience of both prospects and merchants which is really simple and you know that relates to a whole bunch of things subscriber numbers follower count, you know viewership how many people are reading the blog and there's lots of metrics that get wrapped into that one and then the second one is our is our content actually helping merchants and prospects make better business decisions and we do that through some qualitative surveys um both on social media and on our blog. Um, we do it you know, twice a year um, and are getting more into the habit right now also of leveraging social media to almost be this like flywheel for the content marketing, like the global content marketing org. To like, we did this with the podcast as an example, after we'd launched all the episodes, we then launched like a series of uh, questions around what were your favorite episodes? Like, did you tune in? Yes or no, do you plan to? Um, What other guests would you like to have on it and just doing some of that really simple qualitative analysis with the audience that you already have can can really like help further define you know your future goals. um, And also help provide that value back to the organization and show like hey we're not only building this engaged audience but we're getting really great insights from this audience about what to do next. Um, And that helps you, you know, set the stage for the future and to have a better impact longer term.
0: That's very, very valuable. Again, once you got that engagement, that, that micro audience that doesn't doesn't necessarily need to be the whole world, it's, it's whatever audience needs to be engaged with you and it's important for your business and your brand. And then getting that feedback, that's, that's super valuable for a brand. So I, I love that you mentioned that. Um, I don't think brands do that enough. I think that's a missing piece we create content, like you said, we create, 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 and then we're like hoping that it sticks and that it does something for our brand. But we don't ask uh, enough questions. I, I love that you mentioned that. That's definitely a pro tip. We're gonna put it on the blog um, for everybody. Ask more questions to your to your audience and and learn from your successes and mistakes and from your audience and what they say about you um, and iterate and get better over time. So that's that's awesome. Uh, go, going back to this, uh, you mentioned you just launched a new project. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, very exciting project. I have wanted to make something like this for Shopify for a really long time. Um, uh, we just launched a episode one in a brand new three-part video series for the Shopify Plus YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, Weekend Nation. They are a new brand that has just launched on Shopify Plus. Um, they launched their brand on Tuesday, the same day that we launched um, episode one, which was a very exciting day for all of us on both sides. Um, and yeah, we basically followed the launch journey of these two women entrepreneurs who were both taking the leap into entrepreneurship for the first time. Um, one of whom is a creative director and stylist and the other one worked in like merchandising and, you know, e-commerce like big e-commerce brands for her whole career and so, they were both coming at entrepreneurship from this really uh, different lens, um, with you know different goals and hopes and dreams. Um, and on top of that, both have very different skill sets. One of which is like highly creative in nature. The other one's a little bit more technical, business focused. And so the series really provokes that kind of dynamic, um, and how how that dynamic is really what helps, I think, make a great um, uh, brand of the future. Um, to have that mix of both the creative and technical force at the table is really key. Um, And so, yeah, we uh, will be launching episode two um, and then we're launching on a biweekly cadence organically and then we'll be uh, going forward with a like paid strategy for YouTube and all of our channels. And so I'm really excited to see what kind of response we get. Um, This is hopefully the first of many uh, serial based content um, branded content that we start doing, especially on YouTube, we're really, starting to explore that channel in particular and and double down on it because we see a a big opportunity to reach a whole new audience there. Um, And yeah, for me personally, it was like a big milestone and moment. Like I said, I wanted to create something like this for a really long time and it was definitely a labor of love over like six to eight months Um, and hard to do something like this in a pandemic. You know, We weren't really able to film um, in real life for a while. And so the content Uh, I was really afraid that the content would turn out to be this like Frankenstein video project that was like a mix of Zoom interviews with social media footage and some stuff that was more docu-style, and I think we ended up nailing this like really interesting new style, Um, and it helped me kind of break down those barriers that I think I had in my own level of perfectionism about my work. Um, you know, being forced to think about things differently and to think about a new kind of creative vision altogether and how I was going to bring all this together was a really exciting and, and fun challenge. Um, so yeah, go check it out. Episode one is live on YouTube.
0: <laughs> we'll put it right here and we'll put it, if you're watching the video right here, if you're listening or reading, it's on the blog. We'll put the link and we'll embed it if we can. Uh, from YouTube, we'll definitely embed it on the blog. Uh, I, I love that you mentioned how limitations um Infuse some extra creativity, and and I feel like that's another thing that people don't don't do enough. We we are limiting ourselves because of external you know things that happen. Pandemic is a big one enough for everybody to feel crappy about everything. And you know this is one of the things we we were like okay, Martek Masters was other series, and we turn it into a Zoom series and. And we had challenges, and the camera overheats every once in a while, and we have to go through these things. But but it also makes us better. It makes us more efficient sometimes. It makes us more creative sometimes, depending on the on the challenge. Challenge. I, I love that. If you want to expand on that, if you have something to say, I would love that. And and I also have a follow up question. Um, how do you decide if this is going to be a three? part series that's an hour long and it's longer form, or this is gonna be a podcast series that's gonna go forever, or we're gonna do seasons, season one, 20 episodes. what's your train of thought to make that decision when you're creating a story like this one?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really great question. Um that was kind of a new challenge for me, I'll be honest. Um because this was yeah the first serial based content that I'd created um for YouTube in particular. You know, we've done some other like campaign related work on other social channels. Um, and basically what we did is like I, I met with the founders really early on and we walked through the kind of key milestones of what they were going to go through while they were launching this business. Like what were some of the big things they needed to hit, what were some of the big things they wanted to talk about and were made and wanted to make sure got across whether it was about their brand or their dynamic as founders or their backgrounds or how they were partnering with you know different um e-commerce partners and whatnot. Um, and I took a lot of notes um, from a few different conversations. It was almost like doing a you know several exploratory calls where typically, you know, before a video project, I'd only really do one to get a good handle on the brand story and the founder story. Um, and that was really helpful because I, I, it gave me some time to really dig in, think through how we were going to frame this properly. Um, and I basically went through all of my notes, compiled them all together into different themes. And when I had done that originally, there was like 10 or 12 different topics that we could have talked about. And so then I took those topics and I went back to our content strategy. And I said like, what topics do we want to focus on as a business and where is their intersection between what they want to talk about and what's going on with their brand and how we can make sure that this connects back to the goals of what we want to do within our content team and how we want to reach our audience. And we were able to kind of distill that down into three key pillars. Um, And then there were a couple of different sub themes I decided could be kind of run through this series as a whole. Um, and so the three key pillars that we landed on the first episode is really about like their plunge into entrepreneurship and, and then finding the right e-commerce partners, because that's what you have to do at the beginning. And when you're starting to develop your brand, the second one, or the second episode is all about like building your business in a crisis. So how did they go about doing this in the pandemic? It covers things like how, you know, how much they struggled with their product design because they were originally doing product design over Zoom. And then they had to take the risk of doing stuff in person because it was the only way they were going to see the product on real body types and real humans and actually know if it was what they were, if what they were making was going to be the thing that they were going to, or like what they wanted to deliver to their audience. Um, and then on top of that, one of the founder's children, um, both of her children ended up getting COVID. And so it's like, how did how she dealt with that, like the emotional weight and impact of that. Um, and then episode three is all about their launch. So like fine tuning the website, making sure that their go-to-market strategy for the brand and all of their marketing materials are, are, you know, set up and ready to go, the stress of that, the excitement of that. And then like what their kind of future hopes are for the brand. And so we, yeah, we've decided on these three pillars that I thought were the best and most important ways of telling their story. Mm -hmm. And then, like I mentioned before, there were some sub themes that had come out in our previous conversations that. I felt really strongly should get connected across the series to try and keep like a continuous arc. And one of those is how Shopify is involved. Um, This is a branded content series. So, you know, as much as we want it to be high level and really thought provoking and remove ourselves, I still had to find a way to connect it back to our product and connect it back to us being, you know, a strong partner for them. And so we've done that in some really interesting ways um in episode 1 they kind of nod to shopify super quickly when they talk about how they're building their website and then a kind of endorsement of shopify comes from an investor that they that they're working with who also launched their their brand on shopify and they mentioned that like for her it like wasn't even a thought because this other brand had been so successful and it's like that's that's what we want people to say about our product anyway so it was like perfect and then right now we're in the rough cut phase of episode 2 and like one thing that they mentioned is how the building the website is like the oasis part of them launching the brand. And so again, it's like, how, how are we finding ways to speak to our values as a product and as a brand without actually hitting someone over the head with it? Um, yeah. and then the other, uh, I think really great sub themes were that tension that I mentioned between the technical and creative forces at play. Um, and really, that's just speaking to their dynamic as co-founders, um, which is really fun. And they play off each other super well. Um, and then the other sub theme that we wanted to make sure we hit on was like parenting and working full time as an entrepreneur. Um, and so both of them being mothers and you know having responsibilities to their children um, and the way that they have had to rope their children into their business and professional lives because of COVID and because of the pandemic. Um, I think it's something that not just other entrepreneurs, but like all parents can probably relate to. Oh Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a journey to get there, but I feel like, yeah, just making sure that you're taking a ton of notes and then finding ways to connect it back to your own business goals and then getting really clear about what you're trying to say, um, made it a lot easier for me to go like, all right, we're going to do this in three parts and this is how it's going to go down.
0: So, yeah, that's, that's amazing how you, you were, Thinking about the story and how you wanted to tell the story in three parts because their journey and their struggles connected that way. Um, thank you again for sharing all of that. It's uh, it's always it's always um, really interesting to see how storytellers build these stories. And yes, you can have like the hero's journey or whatever stories out there that that you can use as a template to bring emotions and to you know. Uh, yes a lot of challenges so everybody's like tension and tension but at the end of the day you you also connected the brand without making it into an ad and all those cha- i can't wait to watch the whole thing by the way that's uh that's what you did with with what you explained right now i can't wait to watch it and also i'm interesting to see how you guys found uh, a creative way to do it in the middle of the pandemic uh so so that's that's awesome so um first of all anything else you want to share about this because we could talk for three more hours about it and it would be interesting but anything else you want to share about this project and how it actually went through
1: i think the only thing i would say is like for anyone else who is making this type of content right now like don't stress so much about the quality details i definitely like i said before was nervous about that going into it and I think just accept the creative challenge and think about how you can deliver content differently to your audience. And like, as long as what you're putting together and editing together is valuable. And like you said, has some drama. Like there's definitely some drama and you want to open with drama. You want to make sure that you hook people in. You want to make sure that there's drama throughout and that you're creating the kind of that storytelling beats and or like emotional beats and storytelling arc, but like trust your gut and, You know, I think people are a lot less or care a lot less about perfectly produced content nowadays, um, which is a good thing for all of us creators. Um, so make sure that the content itself is valuable and the rest will, you know, come together.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And the pandemic has helped us. If one thing we got out of the pandemic for marketers is quality is still important, but is not the most important part of, of, of the pieces. It's making the story more important than anything else so thank you thank you for sharing that Uh, so anybody else out there doing this right you know brand affinity marketing is is it's an art and it's getting more complex and and there's so many nuances anybody else that's doing it right out there and also anybody you know we're trying to uh support diversity and inclusion so anybody that needs more attention out there that's the kind of questions we want to ask you know, anybody in the in, in di- diverse and, and anybody that we can sh- shed some light and say, hey, go look at these people. Go check them out. They need more attention. Um, please, this is your moment to share any of those things.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, when it comes to other content from other brands, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I look primarily at other B2B brands, um, for inspiration and to see who's kind of, you know, breaking the rules of traditional B2B marketing. Um, because, you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but not every B2B brand has realized that they're just marketing to other humans and that you're not really marketing to a business, even though it is B2B. Um, there is still a human that gets to make that decision at the end of the day. Um, and I think that other B2B brands who are doing this really well, like some, uh, there's a content series on Wistia uh, that they've put together around like how to produce videos at like an $1,000 level, a $10,000 budget, a million dollar budget. Um, really fun. They worked a sandwich video, like ate that up. Oh, and yes. for someone like me who's in production, it was like the perfect content. I was like, they know their audience really well and they know exactly who they want, want to watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think MailChimp is also doing a really great job. They've created a ton of original like video series um, content that has been really inspiring and super compelling and also have found really interesting ways to, to film it um, as well, both doing like IRL productions, but then also leveraging social media footage, found footage, all that type of stuff. Um, and another uh, brand whose podcast I listen to and I find like super valuable especially as someone who is now a leader and managing people is fellow um their super managers podcast is really great um and so highly recommend that if you are um, especially a new leader um and trying to figure out how to manage a team and and yeah be someone who is both inspiring and helpful and also empowering at the same time so yeah Awesome. awesome uh and when it comes to like diversity and finding other great people to talk to um i mean i can send you like an email with a giant list which i probably will after this um yes but a couple of people that come to mind um immediately uh there's a guy named anthony Yepes who is super inspiring to me right now he's he's really pulled together this like awesome community around social media both in a new slack group and over twitter Um, has really done a yeah just a great job of talking about the industry challenges both from like a mental health perspective also a content development perspective strategy hiring best practices like just is really opening up the door for a lot of us who work in social media and in content production to talk about our roles honestly and you know how to get a seat at the table how to sell your ideas all that type of stuff and um, it's been yeah really great to to see him really build a, a community. Um, and I'm, I'm actually working closely with him and the um, admin team now on this community because I found it so inspiring that I was like, how do I get involved in this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really great diverse group of people. Um, and then another person who I think you would love talking to is Alfred Samba, who's the head of social at Gymshark. Mm-hmm. Um, he is awesome to chat with, like That's Gymshark awesome. just does social media so well. Um, they are, you know, a deep, uh, D2C, like B2C brand, of course. Um, but there's so much that I learned from what they do that is just so good. They're really great channel experts. They seem to just really know their audience on every social channel so well. Um, and I love to pick his brain about like, how do I grow my team? What should I focus on next? Like, do these new, do I need to use TikTok or Clubhouse? And like, what should we do? And um, he's, yeah, just a really great sounding board and has a ton of great insights.
0: So I want to thank you because this is again, first of all, thank you for sharing all all those names. And we're definitely going to include them in the blog and in the in the video and 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 try to connect with them. We want to we want to keep showing out there and showcasing the people that are doing it right and and diverse, um, you know, communities that we can we can keep being part of the right right side of history. Right. But uh, I want to thank you for being here. This is being incredible. I, uh, thank you for sharing all of this and, and the time, uh, and, in whatever we can do to be part of this journey. We, we want to be there. So, uh, just keep that in mind, but thank you for being here today. Anything else you want to share? This is, this is your moment to share anything.
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, just thank you so much. This has been great. It's been an awesome conversation. Um, And I mean, yeah, if you're ever wanting advice on a project, want to pick my brain or chat about anything, you can find me on Twitter um, It's at Katie Jane Brain. Um, I'm a huge Twitter fan. uh, So yeah, you can find me there. Um, And yeah, always happy to connect. And just, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This has been absolutely lovely.
0: Awesome, Katie. Thank you very much. And stay safe out there, Okay, Take care.
1: Thank you, you too. Bye Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of MarTech Masters. Make sure to visit our website at nextinemarketing.com to watch the series or subscribe to our podcast to be the first to check out our newest episodes. If you enjoyed our content, please leave us a review or rate our show on your podcast app.